Turn with me this morning, please, to James, the fourth chapter, James 4 and 6. It says, but he gives more grace, more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is one of the biggest words in the Bible. It covers so much. Uh, Sometimes people say, what is grace? And a common definition that you'll hear is, it is the unmerited favor of God. I think that's true. But I don't think that tells the whole story at all. Grace is huge. It's the grace of God is the favor of God. It's the mercy of God. It's also the ability of God. It's the power of God. It's the wisdom of God. God can grace you to know something, to understand something. It's the opportunity to do things. It's the strength to do things. And with enough grace, you can get through anything. With enough grace, you can receive any miracle. With enough grace, you can overcome any sin or any addiction or any habit. Anything that you've been coming short of, you haven't got to, you haven't been able to overcome. With more grace, you can get it. With more grace, you can overcome it. Anything that you've been doing, howbeit with struggling... With enough grace, you can do that same thing easily. We don't realize, as a general thing, how dependent we are on the grace of God. It's easy to think, well, I can do this, I can do that. I know uh, years ago, I asked the Lord, uh, the Lord was dealing with me about these things. And I said, Lord, I, I realize by your help, that I don't realize, I'm not aware of how dependent on your grace I am. Help me to see it. I want to know it. I I don't want to think something's me when it's you. I don't want to be foolish. And uh, I won't go into all the details, but he actually gave me an experience. And through it, I realized things that I had always been able to do that I thought, well, that's just me. I, I was born with that. It's grace. Things that I had learned to do afterwards, it's grace. And if the grace of God is suspended from you, you can't find the door. I don't care how many degrees you got. I don't care how long you've been doing something. <laughs> I know one thing that uh, part of this experience I'll tell you about is that uh, I was all, I was preaching. I was in the ministry already. Had been for, I don't know, three or four years. And I was ministering in a healing area, teaching healing every day. And I had been doing it long enough. And a lot of times I'd go in and uh, I'd have a few notes, but I'd never look at them. And I might quote 25 verses and remember and quote things verbatim. And, and I play and sing some. And I'd go in and sing songs with no music, no words, and remember, you know, hundreds of songs and the words to them. And so after praying that prayer and the Lord began to deal with me about it, I went in to do it one day 
And it was like the Lord temporarily just suspended the grace from me. Don't make a doctrine out of this now. I'm talking about an experience I had. And I asked for it. I don't recommend you do. <laughs> and I went in. Well, first, before I got to the service, I'm thinking, oh, okay, now, where are we going to start? What are we going to do? Man, I sought, I thought, I searched my little brain. I couldn't put one verse with another. I couldn't, I couldn't begin to think. And I thought, well, okay, uh, we'll start with music. So where are you, you know, what are you going? I couldn't remember where to put my hands. On the keyboard, I couldn't remember the words to the, and it hit me what was going on. And I, I had not realized how much of this was the grace of God. That he was feeding it to me. That he was bringing it to me. He was quickening it. And from that time to this. I do not take it for granted. When I'm able to get up. And do things. And know things. And it flows. And I remember it. Everybody say grace. 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 This is true with your job. This is true with your life. Well. With the help that you've been receiving. You're doing as well as you are. With more grace. You can do better. (laughs) You can do better, you can do more, it can be easier. With enough grace, people will think you're brilliant. They will. And you know how to mess it up? Just claim that you are. (laughs) Claim that you're a genius. And take the credit for yourself. The next thing you know, you'll be having trouble putting thoughts together. Some graces you're born with. That's why you find some things easy to do that other people find difficult to do. It's not just because you're good. It's because you're graced in that area. Other graces are added to you after you're born again, different places in life. But from this point, how many would like to have a great big extra measure of grace added to you coming into this new year? Everybody ought to stick their hand or both hands up. Really, right, you ought to say yes, yes, and please yes. More grace, a great big load of more grace. I'm telling you, with enough grace, your mind becomes lightning fast. Your fingers get skilled at doing things you never knew how to do. Wisdom, you can see things coming. You can know where to go and what to do and and you can be at the right place at the right time with the right word and make the right choice and but it's not just through extra effort on your own it's with grace because I don't care how smart and how talented you may think you are there's plenty of examples all over the world that people that were brilliant and talented and just flopped and made a big mess of their life just destroyed their life it takes more than that it takes the grace of God. Notice who gets it though. He gives more grace. Wherefore he says God resists the proud. The proud don't get grace. Who gets it? He gives grace to the humble. Keep reading. Submit yourselves to God. That's an act of humility. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Who's going to make you submit to God? Nobody. If you don't submit yourself, it's not going to happen.
Because God's not going to make you. And nobody else can. Who's going to submit you to God? It'll either be you submitting yourself or it's not going to happen. Verse 10, do what? Humble yourselves in the sight of God and what will happen? What'll ha- Is he opposed to you being promoted? To you being lifted up to a better place and a greater place? He is not. You know what he is opposed to? You doing it. <laughs> you lifting up yourself. He will do it. If you humble yourself before him, he will do it. And he'll do it in due time. Peter talks about that. We won't turn there necessarily. They'll put it on the screen for us. First Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger submit yourselves. Again, who's going to make them submit? You submit yourself to the elder. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God does what? Same thing we read in James. He resists the proud, but he does what? He gives grace to the humble. Can you get the grace without the humility? Then if you're interested in grace, you should be interested in humility. And humility is not what a lot of people think it is. A lot of folks think meek is weak. Nothing could be further from the truth. The proud are weak. There's evidence of all kind of insecurities and weaknesses. It takes a lot of strength to be humble. And Jesus is the perfect example of that. How many want to be just like him? Well, then you'll be humble. Notice it goes on to say there in 1 Peter, verse 6, humble yourselves. Who's going to do it? Again, you'll do it or it won't be done. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. When? When? Which is almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. Because if it was up to your flesh, you'd promote yourself today. You'd do it again for the week's out. Right? And do it again and do it again. Because you're, when does your flesh want stuff? Right now. Don't talk to me about waiting a while. That's your flesh. That's everybody's flesh. But you don't need to be promoted every day. Thank you for those two. <laughs> you don't need to be given more responsibility. You don't need to be added to every day. You and I need to learn. We need to grow. We need to develop. And you have to pass tests to be promoted. You have to pass tests. Obedience tests. Faith tests. Humility tests. You have to. I know your flesh don't want to hear that, but it's a fact. It's a fact. And you're not supposed to get promoted every week. You're supposed to pass tests. And at the right time, when you've obeyed, when you've been faithful, how many of it takes more than half a day to prove that you're faithful? When you've been faithful, in the right way, the right place, the right time, he will exalt you. And when he does it, it's something. 
You didn't do it. You didn't promote yourself. You didn't bless yourself. You didn't increase yourself. He did. He's not opposed to you and I being bettered, increased, exalted, lifted. He's opposed to us doing it. Let him do it. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew. Look at this, please. Matthew, the 11th chapter. And 29, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, Jesus said, I'm going to read the uh, NIV. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest unto your souls. If you want to be like the master, then you want to be gentle and humble. Does that mean weak? Oh, no. Not at all. Gentle and humble. The BBE translation says, Take my yoke on you and become like me, for I am gentle and without pride. And what will happen as a result of that? You'll have rest. Pride will wear you out. (laughs) I've heard people say, Man, I can't wait till I, I get home And I can just let my hair down and be myself. Well, who are you being out here with us? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) Maintaining a facade, a front, is exhausting. A big part of humility is honesty. You show me a humble man or woman, I'll show you an honest man or woman. The two go hand in hand. And when you're not trying to put on a facade and put on a front and you're not telling lies to try to impress people and then telling more lies to keep up with the lies you already told, trying to hide and cover your weaknesses and deficiencies, pride's always seeking to impress. And if somebody tells you about something great that they got or did, pride's always got to top that. Hmm? Always got to tell you, no, yeah, but I knew this and I did this. Pride's a name dropper. Well, you know, so well, I know so and so and so and so. I was there with them. Yeah, I ate with them yesterday. Yeah. (laughs) And then when you didn't, you're all tense that they might find out that you're full of hot air. And so you're trying to maintain and, and you're barely surviving financially, but you got every credit card maxed out and you got, you're trying to portray and play that you're a high roller and you're rolling in debt and you don't want anybody to come to your house and really see how you live. You don't want anybody to know it's exhausting. But when you quit all that and you humble yourself, And you acknowledge the truth. You get to breathe a sigh of relief. And when you do. You'll find out that a lot of the people. That you thought were doing so good. Were blowing hot air too. I know back when I first started in the ministry. I kept thinking that man. Man I wish I was doing as good as these guys are doing. And I wish we were making as much progress as these guys. I felt so small and and so insignificant and after 20 years I found out in some of those cases that at that time I was doing better than they were and didn't even know it but the Bible says don't compare yourself among yourselves it's not wise what you need to be doing is be thankful for what God did for you 
Right? And if they are doing better, be glad that they are. Be glad for them. That takes humility though. I said that takes humility. But humility is freedom. Freedom from the facade. Anybody want to be free? Quit putting on airs. Don't try to impress people. Just be impressive. It's a lot more impressive when people find out neat and good stuff about you that you didn't tell them. Don't rain on their parade. Right? What if you just got a new car? And you come across your buddy, your neighbor, they just got a new car. But your car costs three times as much as theirs did. What's it? T- and, but they tell you first, I just got a new car. <laughs> you need to think, do I need to even bring up my car today? Why rain on their parade? Let's rejoice with them. Maybe they can see me pulling in next week and rejoice over my car. But love prefers its brother. And doesn't have to tell and show off. and Let's don't rain on their parade. Let's make a big deal out of it. I know a, a minister friend of mine. He had some nice stuff back when Phyllis and I didn't. And I had not had a car of my own for a couple of years. We were actually, you know, putting God first and doing some things, making some changes we need to make. And I got a used sports car. It was a few years old. But I was able to get it for a great price. And I was happy about it. I went to pick it up. And uh, my brother in the ministry found out about it. He met me at the dealership with his sons. Brought me a jacket that matched the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he and his, and his boys stood around the car and oohed and awed. And they said, man, that's nice. Well, it's a used car. It had miles on it. It was nice, but... But uh, it wasn't the greatest thing you ever saw. But he said, uh, you got time to come over to the house? I said, sure. So as soon as I bought the car and closed the deal, they hung around the dealership, waited on me. We went over to his house. He had a barn. He pulled it in the barn and he pulled up some chairs and his wife made some sandwiches. He said, come over here and sit down with me. He said, now, boys, I want that car spotless. You wash it, you wax it. Me and Keith's going to sit here and watch it. And and he just made a party a half a day out of me getting a car. And his cars eclipsed mine. Amen. My, I mean, his stuff was much more expensive and much nicer, but they were put away and nothing was said about them. That ble- I'm talking to you about it decades later. It blessed me. It ministered to me. And when you don't have to be the big shot and you don't have to show off, you'll do things like this. And you'll let it be other people's day. And you'll make a big deal out of it. And it'll bless them. That's love. And it's humility. Can you say amen? Amen. And that's what we do for each other in this church. Right? We do it for our families. We do it for our co-workers. We do it for our neighbors. We do. We do. Go with me in Matthew to the 20th chapter. Matthew 20. We looked at some attributes, some indicators of pride and by contrast humility. And we saw that the devil is the father of pride. He is the proudest of the proud. And when you are seeing pride, 
you're seeing the devil's qualities and characteristics. And we looked back in Isaiah and we looked back in Ezekiel about what the devil did. The devil was not created a devil. He was created an anointed cherub that covered. And if you read Ezekiel, you read Isaiah and other places, the Bible said he walked in Eden. His covering was beautiful stones. He had uh, pipes and tablets made in him. And God said concerning him that he filled up the sum of beauty and perfection. Didn't say he thought he was. God said he was. And he made him that way. And he was in the presence of God. And he had duties in the things of God. And we don't know how long this happened. Maybe millennia. Maybe longer. I don't know. But there came a time when it wasn't enough for him. He wanted more. He had a place in the presence of God. He had all these things. He had all this beauty. He had all this ability and glory and riches. The Bible said he had riches. Huge. But he wanted more. He wanted. He said I will exalt my throne. Above the, the stars. I will be like the most high. He wants the place of authority. He wants the place of control. He wants to be worshipped. That's not his place. But he tried to take it. And he must have been convincing. He persuaded a group of the angels. That he could pull this off. That he could do it. But he didn't. I said he didn't. And the word of God said. He said I will exalt my throne. And the word said that God said. You'll be brought down to the sides of hell. That's what's going to happen to you. Now, why am I talking about all this? Because this is one of the big indicators of pride. Pride wants to run it. Pride wants to take it and take over and be in control. People in the world call it initiative. (laughs) But notice this. You and I are to be very different from the world. Are we? We're not to operate the same. In Matthew 20, I believe it's 25. Matthew 20, 25, Jesus called them and said, You know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. They dominate those under them. They control them. What's the next verse? But what? It is not supposed to be that way with you, among you. It shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Now the word minister has really gotten overused and twisted. The word minister means serve. Serve. To minister is to serve. Everybody say serve. Serve. And the very next verse says. Whosoever will be chief among you. Let him be what? Your servant. Now in our society. Servant carries a bad connotation. Nobody wants to be anybody's servant. 
Ain't nobody slave. <laughs> but that's wrong thinking. We need our mind renewed. Look at the very next verse. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Look at the NIV and many translations say it the same way the NIV does. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, the devil didn't want to serve anymore. He wanted to be served. He didn't want to worship anymore. He wanted the worship. He's still that way today. It's one of the biggest things he craves. You remember Jesus out in the wilderness when the devil tempted him? He came and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. What did he say? All this and the glory of it I will give to you. If what? If what? If you will bow down and worship me. What did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you worship. It's obviously a very big deal in heaven now. Always has been, but you can imagine since Satan pulled his stunt. And certain of the angels joined with them. In the book of Revelation, if you remember, and ain't more than one angel appeared to John. These angels are magnificent beings. We know so little about them. They're real. They're not earthlings. <laughs> they're not from here. But they're real. And they are so magnificent that John, and John's no newbie. John's been around Jesus. John's been around for a while, and he fell down to worship in Revelation when this angel appeared to him and said, and the angel said, no, see that you do not do it. Get up. I'm your fellow servant. Worship God. <laughs> True angels will not receive worship. And that's what the devil, a fallen angel, seeks. He wants it. And the Bible tells about the one we would call the Antichrist, that he's going to show himself that he's God. He's going to require that people worship him. He's going to dominate, try to control. That's the devil. I said, that's the devil. You don't want to be like the devil. I don't want to be like the devil. Then we are not domineering going to force you to do it going to make you do it people are we do you want to run it or do you want to serve this is a big question you want to be in charge or do you want to serve what did Jesus do did he come to run it if anybody had a right to run it <laughs> it's him but he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Did he do it? He's doing it right now. He came. He put himself in our place. He paid the price. 
And even now, he's at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's serving us right now. Even though he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know, he demonstrated it right before he left the earth. You remember when he was having the last supper with his disciples and he got up after the meal and he took off his outer clothes and he wrapped a towel around him and he took water and washed their feet. And Peter could stand it. He said, oh, no, no, no. You are not washing my feet like my servant. He said, you don't know what's going on. You'll understand it later. But if I don't wash you, you don't have any part with me. And boy, Peter repented like that. He said, okay, give me a bath in my head. My head. <laughs> One thing about Peter, he, he stuck his foot in his mouth often, but he knew how to change and repent real quick. That's a good quality, isn't it? When you see you've missed it, fix it now. Change now. And, uh, but Jesus said, you call me Lord and Master, and I am. But if I've done this to you, you ought to do this with each other. What's, it's not just about physically washing a foot. It's about being a servant to your brother, to your sister. And, and, and this is an area that the church has, has let slip and is, it's not, not thinking right about. And it's one of the first things the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I about when we started the church at Branson. And he's been dealing with me about the church here, uh, that this is the emphasis. Love serves. I am the under-shepherd of this church. I have the oversight, the responsibility, but my job is to serve you. That's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, see? Coop. Is that right? Hmm? Is that right? I'm serving you right now. I stayed up cooking to four o'clock this morning. Huh? You an extra scoop? Okay. (laughs) My job and Phyllis's job is not to dominate you. It's not to control you. It's not to lord it over you. It's to lead. And it's up to you if you follow. Now, if you don't follow and you're supposed to, it'll cost you. But it's not my job to make it happen. Jesus is not the good cowboy. (laughs) What is he? See, the cowboy drives the herd. That's not what we're supposed to do. What does a shepherd do? He leads. He calls the flock by name. And the flock follows with nobody driving them. That's the difference between us and the world. In the world, you don't do it. They're going to make you do it. The spirit of the world, the spirit of the enemy is we will force you. We will make you do it. God is not that way. The spirit of God is not that way. People that are influenced by his spirit are not that way. Now it grieves Phyllis and I sometimes when we're leading and people refuse to follow. And we know it's going to cost them. We know it's going to hurt them. But I can't get into trying to make people do things. Or I leave the spirit of God and I get in the flesh. And actually begin doing things that are devilish. The Lord gave me these phrases years ago. I I believe they're absolutely true. Fear forces. Love leads. Faith follows. Let me say it again. Fear forces. Why would people try to force? Because they're afraid if they don't make you do it. You won't do it. And the truth is. You got a free will. You may not do it. You may never do it. What if you don't? Well, then you won't. (laughs) You won't. 
But it's not my job to try to make you. And it's not your job to try to make anybody else. Selah. (laughs) Think about it. Fear forces. Love leads. What does faith do? It takes faith to follow. When you don't see everything, don't understand everything. But faith follows and faith pleases God. Can you say amen? Let's finish reading this. He said, Jesus didn't come. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Thanks be unto God. Go to uh, Philippians, please. The second chapter, Philippians 2. Now, remember our text. Remember the thing the Lord's emphasizing to us. We want more grace. Is that right? We, we want, we desire more grace. How are we going to get it? Humility and more humility. One of the first times the Lord spoke to my heart as a teenager, I was reading the Bible through for the very first time, started in Genesis. I got to Numbers 12.3. And Numbers 12.3 said, Now the man Moses was meek above all the men that were on the face of the earth. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, real distinctly, the Lord spoke to my heart. Did you realize Moses was the meekest man, the most humble man in his generation? I thought, yeah, I see that, Lord. And immediately the Lord spoke to my heart. Did you realize also he's the most used man of me in his generation? Oh, man. I say it went off in me like a rocket. I thought, wow. The most humble is the most used. Did you know the degree of your humility determines the limits of your usefulness to God? He can't use us. He can't add grace to us any further than our humility allows. The moment our humility stops or the place where it stops, he can't use us any further. Because we'd take the credit. No. When in fact it'd be a lie because it's the grace that's enabling us. The degree of our humility determines the limits or the limitations of our usefulness to God. Do you want to be more useful to God? Then you must become more humble. And all of us have to deal with pride. There's not just a few prideful people that need to hear this message. You. Me, every one of us have to deal with pride. It was humorous. Back years ago, I taught in a Bible school, and I taught some of these things on humility and pride. And some of the students, before they got to my class, they'd say, oh, man, I'm looking so forward to getting in that class with you. One said, you know, uh, submission has always been easy for me. (laughs) And I'd almost laugh it out loud (laughs) because submission is not easy for anybody. If you think it's easy, it's because you don't know what it is. (laughs) And so anyway, people say, I'm so excited about learning about pride. And I'm thinking, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And so sometimes these same people after the class, they'd come to me and go, Brother Keith, uh, pray for me. And, you know, before I took your class, I never had any trouble with pride. (laughs) But I'm having all kind of problems with it. I said, well, you don't have trouble with what you yield to. It's when you start identifying it 
and start dealing with it and make the effort to stop yielding to it, that's when you realize what a hold it had in you. It's kind of like people say, well, I can quit smoking any time. Show us. <laughs> I can quit this. I can quit that. It's when you begin to resist it that you find out what a stronghold it had in your life. And all of us have to deal with pride. Every one of us. And pride is associated with being American. <laughs> We're proud. We're proud to be in America. I mean, people will get ready to cuss if you act like that's not okay. It's not okay. It's good to be thankful to be an American. To acknowledge how blessed you are, whatever your country is. But so what's wrong with being proud? The devil is proud. It's the nature of the devil. It's not okay. I'm proud of my kids. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Oh, yes, it is. Is everything wrong with that? I'm going to just pause here for a moment for for effect. (laughs) Don't leave right now. Hear the rest of it. How many remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan and he came up and the Holy Spirit came and there came a voice from heaven and the Father said, this is my beloved son and I am so proud of him. (laughs) Mm -mm. Pride is the nature of the devil. There is nothing good about it. I know this is mind renewing. I know this sounds radical to a lot of folks. But it's because of being ignorant of the Bible. Pride has never been okay in any form or fashion. It is one of the ugliest things before God. In fact, the Bible said God hates pride. He hates it. Whatever he hates, you should hate You can be so thankful for your children. You can be pleased with your children. But don't be proud. Because actually it has to do with selfishness. Listen to what people say. I'm so proud of my. (laughs) My boy. It's actually you're proud of yourself. (laughs) What you did. What you produced. It's not just pride of it. It's proud of yourself. You ought to be thankful. Thankful that God helped you. That they turned out well. Right? Knowing you didn't do everything right. Knowing it's the grace of God. That as dumb as you were. They turned out as good. As many mistakes as you made. And they're doing as well as they are. It ain't time to go. I'm so proud. So proud of myself. No. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. You can be pleased. Say what the father said. I'm pleased. I'm well pleased with them. I'm so thankful. (laughs) You should see some of the look. I'm still proud to be in the (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) Help yourself. But I'm telling you, there's no good thing about pride. (laughs) If you don't like this message, come back next week. Maybe another one that you like. But sometimes the one you like the least is the one you needed the most. Is if you'd receive it, You'd make the greatest progress if you put it into practice. Philippians, the second chapter. This passage of Scripture is so amazing. It's so wonderful. It describes the humility and obedience of our Master, the depths of it, the reach of it, the fullness of it. 
And at the same time, it's telling us to be just like him, to take this for ourselves. In Philippians 2 and 3, it says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, what? Better than themselves. Can you do that? You can. Not just esteem them as good as you. You hear people say, well, I don't think I'm better than anybody else, but I don't think anybody's better than me either. That's not a scripture. That's not a verse. That's just something somebody came up with. The scripture says you're supposed to esteem them what? Better. That shouldn't be so hard to do. You don't know all of their faults and shortcomings, and you do know yours. Right? Selah. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, skip down in the passage to verse 19, and he's talking about Timothy. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly to you that also may be of good comfort when I know your state. I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. This again is the nature of pride, self-seeking to seek its own. The devil, he's not wanting to serve anymore. He wants to run it. He doesn't want to assist in the worship of God. He wants to be worshipped himself. He wants to take something that wasn't given to him. Something he has no right to. He hasn't earned. He can't merit it. But he wants it. And you know. Just being having churches for a few years. We've seen this so many times. That people come. And want to be over stuff. Don't know them. Never met them. But they want to run something. <laughs> Am I telling it right Phyllis? I don't mean 10 times. I don't mean 50 times. I guess hundreds of times. Over the years, complete strangers say, you know, you got anybody running your accounting department? We never laid eyes on you and we're going to let you start running the accounting department tomorrow. I don't think so. No. (laughs) But people have asked all these kind of things, you know, we'll be glad to take this over for you and run it. (laughs) See, you know right away that's not a person you should be thinking about to run something. People who want to run stuff in the things of God are not qualified. Because if your heart's right, you're not wanting to run something. You're wanting to serve. You're wanting to serve. And the one who wants to serve the most is the one qualified to run something. That was worth you combing your hair and coming out this morning. Right, right there. This is so big. This is so huge. People wanting to run stuff and take stuff over. I had people ask me before, you know, how did, because working with Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, I got promoted to several times over 20 years. And, and I, I was able to oversee the healing school and I was able to teach in the 
the Bible school and was able to travel with him, do some other things. I had people ask me, how did you believe to get to be over that? I didn't. I never confessed I'm going to be over that. I wanted to serve. I wanted to help the people. I wanted to help the students. I never confessed I'm going to pastor a church. I'm going to be the head. I'm going to be in charge. People got to do what I say. Whoo. <laughs> if all you see is your perceived benefits of leadership, you are completely unqualified. You should see the responsibility of leadership, which is substantial. Because if I teach you wrong, God holds me accountable. If you make wrong mistakes because I taught you wrong, if your life is messed up because I lead you wrong, I'm held accountable for it. You want to run it? You want to be in charge? (laughs) I'm responsible for how the money's spent, where it goes, what it does, how your seed is handled, whether it was wasted, whether it produced like it should. We've had people say, well, can you use some help? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a broom. And we've had people tell us, well, no, no, you know, my ministry's on the platform. Oh, if you got anything on the platform, (laughs) really, that's wanting to be seen. That's wanting to be important. That's wanting to run something, be over something. And that's not okay. People say, well, that's just ambition. It's good to have. No, the devil had some ambition, didn't he? He had some ambition. (laughs) Keep reading here. He said, all seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. Back up to the uh, fifth verse. Well, verse four, I read it again. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We're not trying to build our ministry. I don't have a desire, you know, I want my church to be bigger than so-and-so's church. I want my ministry, I want to be on more TV stations. I I want to be, mm -mm, no, no, no. If you do, you're in the flesh. It's going to be fleshy. And unspiritual people may not know the difference, but spiritual people do know the difference. And you don't want to be seen. You don't just want to be in control. Maybe your flesh thinks you do, but you don't. Listen to your heart. Your heart wants to do something that helps somebody. Genuinely. And if nobody ever knew you were involved, that doesn't matter. What matters is did they get helped? Did they get free? Did they receive what they needed? That's what matters. And love seeks that. Uh, Brother Jesse Duplantis tells of how the experience he had of going to heaven. He said he saw heaven. He saw parts of it. He saw people in heaven. And one thing that he said stood out to him, everywhere he went, he met people that he had never seen before, never met. And he said every one of them, total strangers to him, would stop and with such joy, they'd say, can we help you? Can we do anything for you? He said he met this family and they're going on a picnic and they invited him to come along. He said, come with us. Come with us. And everybody there, the angels and all the saints, everybody there wanted to know, can I do something for you? 
Can I help? Does that sound like heaven to you? Can I do something for you? Can I help you? You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. This church is and will be full of this. It's called the love of God. It's called keeping the love command. But it involves boots on the ground service. Service. What are you doing that's service to your brother, to your sister? Until you're doing something, you're not going to be happy. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much stuff you got, how successful you are in your field. If you're not serving your brothers and sisters in some capacity, you're not going to be fulfilled. You're not going to be satisfied on the inside because you're made to do it. I said, you're made to do it. Look at what Jesus did. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Verse 5 says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Think like he thinks. Does this sound the same as come learn of me? And you'll see the very same thing in this passage. Let this mind be in you. Said out loud, I receive the mind of Christ. To see like he sees. To think like he thinks. I desire it. I receive it by faith. What is the mind of Christ? Read this very next verse. Who being in the form of God, you don't get any more in control than that. <laughs> you don't get any more in charge than that. Being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's a little bit vague in the King James to me. Listen to the New Living Translation. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Let me say it like this. He didn't think it was too much to give up. Now, you know, you imagine leaving a plush palace and riches to go do something in the street and in a barren place or a poor place. That don't even begin to describe what he did, does it? He left glory. We don't even know what that's like. How many believe it's a whole lot nicer than here? <laughs> that don't begin to tell it. But he didn't think it was too much to ask for him to turn loose of that. Verse 7. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave or a servant and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Other translations say he emptied himself. Jesus really became a man. Jesus did not function in the earth with the omniscience of God or with the, all the power of God. He learned. He had to learn the word as a child. How could that be? Because he emptied himself. He laid it aside when he became a man. Verse 8. He did what? He, did, he humbled himself in obedience to God. King James says, even the death of the cross. Not just a death, but the worst on the planet. Why? 
you know, we reverence the cross today. People wear crosses around their neck and stuff. But in that day, it'd be like wearing a syringe for a lethal injection or wearing a little electric chair. Are you listening, saints? Because it was, crucifixion was how the worst criminals died. I mean, if you really wanted to, to humiliate and drag out the death, the worst criminal, good people didn't die by the cross. If you wanted to give somebody a good death, you didn't put them on the cross. And nobody made Jesus do that. He said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down. How did he do this? Because he came to serve. And he kept humbling him. He humbled himself from glory to a cow trough. That's how he starts. And then all the human stuff we have to deal with. He got hungry. He got tired. He didn't know everything. I know some folks don't like that. But how could he learn? The Bible said he learned and he grew in wisdom. If you're already all wise, you can't grow in wisdom. If you already know everything, you can't. And he he said, I can do nothing of myself. Whatever the Father shows me and tells me, that's what I do. Complete submission. Showing us how to do it. I said, showing us how to do it. And he, he didn't stop there. He humbled himself and was born a human being. He humbled himself and walked the earth and experienced all the temptations and all the junk and all the pain. He didn't stop there. He died the death of the cross and was made sin with our sin and didn't stop there. The Bible said he went to the heart of the earth. He descended. He went down. Keep reading. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And as a result, what happened? Therefore, God elevated him. Oh, friend, he's our example. Who does God give grace to? Who does God give the most grace to? The most humble. And if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, what did God say he will do? He will exalt you in due time. Jesus is the ultimate example of this. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. He humbled himself to life as a human being, to death on the cross, to being made sin with our sin, to being judged for it, to the heart of the earth. He went as low as you could go. And nobody made him do it. Wherefore, what happened? What happened? God spoke and hell shook. Come on, are you listening to me? He said, you are my beloved son. Oh, hallelujah. And he overcame death, hell, and the grave and rose triumphant over all of it. And he didn't stop there. He didn't just triumph and was exalted above death and above the grave. He went all the way to the highest authority in the universe and sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. And God has given him a name that's above every name, every name of beings in heaven, beings on the earth, beings under the earth. And at that name, every knee shall bow. I know they're not all doing it now, but they will. I said they will. 
every human being, every demon, every angel before all this is over are going to hit their knees and say, Jesus is Lord. Now, the smart ones do it now. Am I looking at some smart ones in here? (laughs) But do you see how it happened? Hebrews even says, in fact, turn there, go to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews 5 and 4. It says, no man takes this honor, talking about being high priest, to himself. But he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Aaron didn't push, and uh, and it's not like the political system in our country. Whoever's got the most money and is the most popular and gets the most votes, God's kingdom is not democratic. I'm sorry. He appoints and that's it. (laughs) And it's not because you push so hard. It's not something you take to yourself. Verse 5. So Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. Jesus did not make himself high priest. But he that said to him, you are my son, today have I begotten you. Verse 6. As it said in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, he was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. In God's kingdom... The way up is down. The more you humble yourself. You're not seeking to get the big office. You're not seeking to get the title. You want to serve. You want to be of benefit. You want to be of use. You want to be of help. And so you humble yourself. And if you don't get noticed, that's fine. You don't care. If nobody knows who you are, knows you were involved, no problem. Did they get helped? That's what matters. Did the job get done? But as you do that and you humble yourself and listen to me, saints, you'll have to pass tests. Things will come up. And things like this. You'll work so hard on something and nobody will even know you did it. Or worse. You'll work so hard on something And somebody else will get the credit. (laughs) Somebody else will get the promotion. I want you to remember these three words. Everybody ready? It's a test. (laughs) Say it out loud. It's a test. It's a test. Are you going to flunk it or are you going to pass it? If it makes you so mad and it upsets you so bad, you need to stop and say, why? Why does this bother me so bad? Well, it's not right. It's more than it ain't right. What's so bad? Because you didn't get the recognition. You, what bothers you so much is you, your name wasn't called. God is helping you. A finger's been put on that pride. And you're realizing it and going, oh, that's ugly devilish stuff. 
I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be important. I wanted to be noticed. And that's something you need to die to. Because if you don't, you don't qualify for the next thing. So when God adds enough things to you, it challenges your level of humility. The greater things he uses you in, and the more he adds to you, that's the more temptation. You'd be tempted to get puffed up or to imagine that you're more than you are. So God's not going to add things to you, and you can't handle where you are. You're stumbling with pride where you are right now. He can't add more to you. You're not handling what you got. But if you can, even though your flesh is wanting to chomp at the bit, if you can just get a hold of yourself and say, shut up. Nobody needs to see you. Just be glad you had a part. Just be, yeah, but they lied and took you. Well, pray for them because they're going to get in trouble if they, if they keep doing this kind of stuff. Lord, have mercy on them, you know. Forgive them. Pass the test. And grow in humility. Because what happens when you do that? What happens? You are qualifying for greater grace. A greater place. To be used more. You say, you think that kind of thing happened? No. It will happen. That kind of thing will happen. And what you do will determine whether you pass or fail the test. Now, in God's things, there is no social promotion. If you flunk the same, if you flunk the first grade 50 times, you stay in the first grade. I don't care if you're six foot and you're in the little desk. (laughs) You do not get promoted because you've been there so long. You have to pass the test or you stay there. (laughs) I can see that picture right now. There's some people in the little desk to do. But that's all right. Let's pass the test. We can pass the test and come into the next place, the next grace, the next glory. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. 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 Go ahead and play. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Just close your eyes and begin to lift up your hands and your heart. Praise the Lord. Praise the Master. Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. Lord, we're so thankful for what you have done. How you humbled yourself. How you emptied yourself. You laid aside that glory and that power and became like us lived like us, died in our place. And because of that, God has exalted you above everything. And we know that's our example. Said out loud, the mind of Christ, the meek, the lowly in heart, the humble, the obedient, the gracious, the faithful, This mind is in me. I think this way. I believe this way. And by the grace of God, I live this way. Hallelujah. Sit out loud, and only if you mean it. 
Father God, put a finger on the pride in my life. It's devilish. It's hateful. I don't want to be like that. But I know I have to see it before I can deal with it. Help me to see what is pride, what is ugly, what is devilish in your eyes. And by your grace, I'll put it away. And as I humble myself, I thank you that greater grace is added to me. And you said you will exalt me in due time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.